Well, you probably know by now that I'm a huge history buff. And uh, many years ago, I had an experience that really had a tremendous impact on me. It was color footage of Adolf Hitler at the English Channel looking across at England just before the Blitz and, and, and the uh, Battle of Britain. But this was in color. It was the first time I've ever seen Adolf Hitler in color. And I had this astonishing impact, like right between the eyes kind of thing, guys. It's like, that guy was real. It was a real guy. And, and it, it was because I was able to finally see him in color. It allowed me to realize that that's, that this is not some distant sort of thing, that this guy was a, a real guy. Well, here's what got me thinking about this one uh, for this episode today, because there is a, a technology out there now. It's a form of artificial intelligence. It's, it's the kind of artificial intelligence that's limited and therefore, I think, extremely useful. And basically what is what is happening is we are now able to take existing film or video footage and using artificial intelligence, we can upscale it, upres it, eliminate all the, 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 the imperfections on the film, color balance it, sharpen it. And that's the point really that I'm getting at. We're not talking about a pristine copy of actual footage. We're talking about and I'll show you an example right here from Apollo 14 landing on the moon. This is the astronauts walking on the moon. Looks like it was shot on an iPhone. And it looks like it was shot on an iPhone, not because the camera was good enough to get images looking this good, but because these artificial intelligence algorithms are able to interpolate what this should look like with a very high degree of accuracy. And so I realized that this is essentially unlocking things. Steve, the, the, the term I... I trying to think about what exactly was going on here. And I realized that to, because of this image processing technology, we're able to actually extract history. We're, a, we're able to get detail that, that not only isn't available now, wasn't available when it was recorded. We're able to actually increase the level of detail of the original footage while still being true to the original footage. And just as I mentioned with the Adolf Hitler thing, all of a sudden, Things like the moon landing or astronauts on the moon have a, 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 a reality to them because of the quality of the imagery that we have today. There's a reality to them now to the point where I look at something like this and I think it's, it can't be real because it's too good. It's too sharp. What do you think about this idea of being able to pull history out from, from a shroud that by all <sighs> rational purposes, should have been impenetrable. Yeah, as a uh, as a history buff myself, I can't tell you how thrilling this is, uh, especially when you consider the primitive efforts that weren't actually that long ago. Um, I remember back in the uh, mid '80s, Ted Turner decided he was going to colorize his library yeah. of old MGM movies. I think it was MGM movies, uh, and I remember the first one he did was Casablanca. And the result was so pitiful. Rick's Horrible. white tuxedo jacket had a pink cast to it. Horrible. And who thought this was a good idea to begin with to colorize these movies? But when you see the results are so bad, why would you release them and say, we're proud of this work, essentially? Um, and what we're able to do now. I'm kind of surprised I didn't see this coming. Uh, you know, I'm a, a photographer by hobby and uh, sometimes uh, long ago was uh, the little job I held. 
But um, computational photography, which is a term I kind of hate, but it's built into all the best smartphones now. And what your phone does, if uh, you're not aware of this, is when you're taking pictures, it starts taking pictures before you press the shutter button, and it continues taking pictures after you take the shutter button and or, or let go of the shutter button. And then using AI uh, takes the best parts of all of those images and combines them into one seamless whole. And it does this so quickly that you have to know that it's happening in order to know that it's happening. There is absolutely no way for a human being uh, with our comparatively slow brains to see any lag, any indication, nothing. It's just, it's done and it's beautiful. And that's why, Bill, and this struck me on the backstage, you mentioned the iPhone is kind of the gold standard of video photography because, well, it is. I mean, there are better, more complicated ways to shoot. But for the average ordinary human being, when you say Stunning. it's shot on an iPhone, that means it's really good video quality. And that's something that everybody carries around in their pockets. And there's stuff just as good on Android, too. I'm not trying to start a flame war down in the comments. Uh, iPhone just has that uh, particular reputation. Um, and so it, I'm a little sad with myself that I didn't see this kind of thing coming. But as soon as you said it, I started thinking of the possibilities and all the things that we can do with this. And I have to tell you, I don't even know where to begin all I can say is, if I thought YouTube was a time suck already for my love of history, yeah. I ain't seen nothing yet. Well, we're including a link to uh, a channel that did the Apollo stuff and, and some of these other Thank recreations. Uh, Scott, the best way to, to describe this, because this is really important to people understand this. What, this. what this software is doing is not sharpening an image. It's actually creating an image based on the images before and after. And the, the first example I saw of this uh, was of the Mount St. Helens uh, eruption. Now, if you're, if you're old enough to remember that, the only footage of the actual landslide that left this huge crater was taken by a remote camera that was shooting at like one frame a second. It was just a, it was a, a, a simple video monitoring camera, like a security camera. It wasn't so, so you saw here's a mountain slide, 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 maybe, maybe five frames. And then artificial intelligence looked at what frame number three is showing and what frame number four is showing, and then was able to interpolate 30 or 40 frames between those two things so that frame three and frame four were the actual frames, but in between them, here's what must have happened between three in order to make four. That's basically what the software does. And then all of a sudden you see the, the eruption of Mount St. Helens. It looks like it's in, in real time. So there, we are able to pull detail that wasn't actually in the, 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 the medium in the first place. It's astonishing to me. And, and I actually wonder if if this isn't some, some kind of very serious breakthrough, because as you can see from this this uh, up-res moon landing footage, I'm wondering if if the sharpness of this makes people more convinced that we actually went because it looks so modern. Well, I would uh, first say that anybody who thinks that we didn't actually go is not going to be persuaded by some <laughs> new technological gadgetry or software that makes it look more realistic, they're just going to say, see, that's how they did it. They did it with the AI. 
with the <laughs> like, massive computing power available that's in 1969. Right, on the yeah. Bomar brain. Um, so, you know, and I, I feel like I need to back up a step here. And for our uh, can I just say, can, yeah. can I, I'm so sorry, Scotty. I really am. I Go. hate to interrupt your mid-sentence, but this just needs to be said. For people who think that this was all done in terms of computer graphics and so on, it is easier to go to the moon in 1969 than it is to do the image processing necessary to make you think that we went to the, the moon. The technology did not exist. It just didn't exist. And so for those of you who in our, in our audience who may not be as technologically advanced as Bill and Steve are, um, let me explain this to you in a way I think that you and I can both understand. Um, so what you have to start with is a two-page flip book. And on the first page, there's a stick figure that's standing up. And on the second page, there's a stick figure that's sitting down uh, about two inches to the right of the standing stick figure. And so this, this technology actually allows you to increase the number of pages in your flip book. And then each one of those pages has the stick figure progressively walking uh, one step at a time and then sitting down on the chair so that when you flip through it the second time, now you've got like 40 or 50 pages and it actually looks like the stick figure walked and sat down. So this is the technology we're talking about. And this from a man who was raised by his grandparents. And so I grew up, you know, mostly in the 1960s and 70s as a child raised by my grandparents. I never consciously thought of it this way, but I'm pretty sure that I thought that my grandparents were black and white until they got a color television. <laughs> exactly. Um, or at the very least, at the earliest, they were black and white until The Wizard of Oz came out. And I would love to have been in the theater. Can you imagine having been in yeah, the theater that day when that uh, house from Kansas drops down in Oz and when the door opens, the black and white world changes to this magnificent color. Um, in my mind, the whole theater changed to color. All the people in the theater suddenly went from black and white people to being dressed in, in red uh, cloth coats and, you know, black mink stoles and all that kind of stuff. Um, it, there's only one little uh, chink in the armor, so to speak, um, and that is that my grandfather told me that they used to live in a house in Philadelphia, I believe in Maniunk neighborhood of Philadelphia, or perhaps Roxborough, um, that they described as the Mustard Castle. Now, for a boy who thought that all of history in the 1920s and 30s was in black and white, it was hard to imagine why it was called the Mustard Castle. One thought that perhaps the air had the tang of mustard in it, like you could smell mustard in it or something <laughs> like that. But it's it's hard to imagine that, in fact, the house was the color of mustard. It was a bright yellow color. And um, this... I, I think it really just transforms the whole way people see history. I think it's going to be useful to kids who've had a hard time stretching their minds around uh, the pictures they see in old, musty, you know, history books or now, you know, the screen captures of those things that they find online um, and the videos that they're shown in class. We saw film strips one slide at a time. Um, but it's exciting to think that maybe for some kids, this will awaken 
the fire to learn more. And in our backstage show, um, Bill and I were talking about, uh, you know, how, how reading history and especially, you know, for me, I get so engaged in, in the text on the page, which is just black on white that I can see in living color. And that when I was reading Lincoln's biography or Grover Cleveland's biography or Calvin Coolidge's biography or any number of others, Winston Churchill's in particular three volume biography, which was immense and amazing by William Manchester. That's when, great. when those characters died, I cried. Uh, they were real to me. They were alive in my mind. And I was raised in a generation where words could do that. Now that pictures in motion do that, um, I welcome this technology because maybe it'll allow some kids to cry when Lincoln dies. Yeah. You mentioned Calvin Coolidge. Uh, anybody who has, has been photographed is now, with this technology, we can essentially bring them back alive. If there is footage of, and I'm pretty sure there is footage yes. of Calvin Coolidge standing oh, yeah. there, kind of grainy, and he's standing there, and it's it's Calvin Coolidge, and it's history. It's obviously history because it's in black and white. I'm talking about the emotional connection that this provides. If you imagine that footage of Calvin Coolidge, and imagine that it was shot on an iPhone outdoors yesterday. Wow. All of a sudden, Calvin Coolidge is not a historical figure. Now he's a real person. It's that Hitler in color effect. I did a, a, a firewall about this called The Color of Hell. And, and I was looking at all of this combat footage from, um, from the Pacific War uh, in, in, in during World War II, American War in the Pacific. Because I'd, I'd looked at, I wanted to see what what does what does Guadalcanal look like today? What does Terra look like today? And you see all these beautiful turquoise, you know, ocean, and the, and the beaches are golden. And 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 I thought to myself, wow, I, I, when did when did this start getting so beautiful? Because everything I've ever seen of it is high contrast, grainy, horrible crap. And then I realized, no, when those guys went ashore, they went ashore in turquoise water, and they landed on golden beaches, and. And that connection is really, really important. Uh, I, as I said, wanted to talk about it because I saw the up-res uh, Apollo stuff. But, but the ability to extract history from recordings that were made at the time but didn't actually capture it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an absolute miracle. It's one of the wonders of the age. And I, I think and hope that Scott's right, that this will open up uh, the whole idea of history to people who have, understandably enough, a, 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 a mental wall between themselves and history that's predicated on the fact that that's in black and white and it's grainy and it's rough and it doesn't look real and so on and so on and so on. We have the ability to go back and bring it back alive. And uh, and it's one of the wonders of the age and thought we'd share it with you. That'll do it for this edition of Right Angle, made possible by the members at BillWhittle.com. And uh, again, thanks for all the kind wishes during uh, during my two weeks uh, fighting the, uh, as uh, Critical Drinker says, the uh, unspecified virus of unknown origin. Uh, we'll see you next week right here on Right Angle. 